Washington Post says American intelligence has detected North Korea's building new missiles at a factory where the first ones capable of reaching the U.S. were put together. Reporter Don Kirk says it adds to the doubts many already have about North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The U.S. military doubts very much if he's uh, following through on denuclearization. They think North Korea is still interested in improving its missiles and developing them so that a nuclear warhead can be attached to them and they can go to distant targets. Actor Alan Alda tells CBS this morning he has Parkinson's disease. He says he got the diagnosis over three years ago. In the very beginning, to be immobilized by fear and think the worst thing has happened to you. It hasn't happened to you. You still have things you can do. Alda, the 82-year-old star of TV's MASH, says he has a thumb twitch but has been able to keep to a normal schedule. Published reports say the Trump administration's considering a $100 billion capital gains tax cuts. Business analyst Jill Schlesinger. This is definitely a tax cut, like all capital gains, that would disproportionately help the wealthier taxpayers in the country. But there are also some middle-class families that might see some help. The Dow is up 111. This is CBS News. To experience relief from foot and leg cramps, use TheraWorks Relief. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at your local pharmacy. Ask your pharmacist for TheraWorks Relief. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 job boards with just one click, and then their smart matching technology finds the right candidates. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. To prevent muscle cramps in your legs and feet, use TheraWorks Relief. This fast-acting foam is clinically proven to relieve leg and foot cramps. Get TheraWorks Relief today at select Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid pharmacies or TheraWorksRelief.com. Ask your pharmacist for TheraWorks Relief. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. But not with ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology actively invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you. The needle in the haystack. Try ZipRecruiter now for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com search. That's ZipRecruiter.com search. Good morning, 66 degrees, cloudy skies at 10.04. I'm Tim Dittman, DWS News. Scattered showers and thunderstorms throughout the day today with a high of 75. Chance for rain again tonight with a low of 59. Some patchy fog before 7 o'clock tomorrow morning giving way to partly sunny skies. And again, a slight chance for some afternoon rain tomorrow. Clear skies tomorrow night, low 62 Finish out the work week Thursday and Friday, sunny with highs in the upper 80s. Right now, 66 at 10.04, breaking news 24-7 at WDWS.com. I'm Tim Dittman, DWS News. Time now for On the Money. The following program is paid for by Rudy Wealth Management. Good morning, and welcome to Paul Rudy's On the Money. You're invited to be part of today's show. Call 356-9397. Opinions and views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. And now, Paul Rudy's On the Money. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Paul Rudy's On the Money here on WDWS AM 1400. I'm here with Dr. Fred Gertz. Good to be back. Good to see you here. Yeah, you've been doing some traveling, haven't you? A little bit. (laughs) 
And, uh, well, we missed you, but, of course, we were able to catch you on the phone last time, and uh, that, that worked. My, my microphone's sinking, so I'm just trying to work here, so just bear with me, folks. Uh, I'm here with uh, certified financial planner professional David Rudy. He's also a re uh, retirement income certified professional. David, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for and having me. And financial advisor Ryan Repko, who works for us. And uh, we have a pretty good show today, I think, if I can get my screen to work, which I can't see. You can call us at 356-9397 or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line at 351-5357. Uh, again, let me just, uh, sorry about this, my screen is not working so anyway here now it is so you can call us as i said at 3569397 or text us on the castle heating and cooling text line 3515357 we also want to welcome those tuning in on facebook live using our new owl that we've been using the last couple of show with 360 degree it's really cool technology if you have a chance to get on facebook and watch it uh, i think you'll find it at least the technology interesting i don't know if you'll find david and ryan interesting uh, but maybe. It's important to recognize that past performance is not an indication of future results. You should not make any investment decisions without first consulting your own financial advisor and conducting your own research and due diligence. Well, I want to start out the show, uh, even though Daniel's not here, we'll congratulate him for he's now a certified financial planner professional like his two of his brothers or his two brothers. And uh, as of last week, he passed the exam back in November of two. 2016, but was waiting to complete the required years of work experience in the field of financial planning. Well, Ryan, you're up next, waiting patiently on that work experience as well, because you've passed the exam as well. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's a matter of what is it, two years, three years for you? It's two years, but I'll be ready come uh, next spring or summer. So, so next spring and summer, then you'll be a certified financial planner professional as well. Fred, right. you just don't have that, no, you know, I'm, uh, all these hundred degrees. I'm, uh, Credentialed. Fred has more degrees than a <laughs> thermometer. Everybody knows that. Uh, well, Fred, uh, as the economist, um, you know, Larry Summers, uh, Krugman, they were saying we were stuck in this 2% plot really forever, it seemed like, uh, as if, and I always wondered if they weren't just really trying to hide the damage that the government spending was doing yeah. and all the government interference was doing. Uh, suddenly we have a 4.1% print for the quarter for real gross domestic product. Uh, that by itself is not, you know, something to jump up. I mean, it's good, obviously, yeah. but we've had a couple of good prints, you know, in the Obama administration and the Bush administration. Right. Uh, but it certainly, it seems to be building steam, um, to me at least. Is, right. it, is it a sugar high from the tax cuts? Is it sustainable? Uh, is it somewhere in between? Well, I think it's uh, in between. It's uh, encouraging because it's unusual to have – uh, really strong growth this uh, far into the uh, expansion. We we're clo uh, closing in on uh, nine years now, or over nine years, closing on 10 years of expansion since the uh, Great Recession. So usually you have big uh, jumps just after the recession is over. This now is coming uh, late in the, in the cycle, which is actually good news. Again, uh, there's always the same warning. It may be it's just an aberration or a gl uh, glitch or whatever, but 4% uh, is uh, very strong, and it gives us – uh, getting close to three percent for the uh, the whole year, which is good news. But again, I think the the arguments about solar long term uh, growth are not overcome yet. I guess even more impressive because uh, 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 kind of an unusual situation where uh, uh, the president is creating his own headwind here with the uh, trade war business. So it'd probably be even stronger had we not had the uh, the trade issues. Yeah, I guess uh, when it comes to it's gone from. Not tariffs and, and, and trade issues uh, when they have these 
earnings calls for yeah. these for the major companies. I guess now about a fourth of them. It's yeah. it's a topic of conversation in these. So it's it's on. I yeah. think it's weighing on everybody. Well, it's also really uh, counterproductive in the sense that uh, even if you are someone who expects to benefit from tariffs, uh, a few people at least would do that. Uh, you would not want to make long-term uh, plans right now because one day they're going to impose tariffs and then a couple of weeks later they reached agreement not to do it and so on. So you wouldn't want to make a long-run kind of commitment uh, based upon ex- expectation of being protected by tariffs in this environment. That, that might be more dangerous than the tariffs themselves. In other words, just yeah. the uncertainty around them, like I don't know how it's going to impact me, so yeah. I don't want to build a new plant or do make no. a, go into a big research and development product, uh, project only to find out that now I have a significant tariff against my product. Right, and I could see, or that. even in favor of your product, yeah, which which or, or in favor, yeah, either way. So uh, even then, you can't be confident. Right. You might think you might think it's going to be favorable, but then it doesn't happen. Right. So it's hard to make long term businesses. I agree. I think that's it's kind of to me. It's like tax policy. Just make the rules, set them for a really long time, and yeah. quit jimmying around with them. And I think that creates much better business conditions. But nonetheless, uh, it, it it certainly feels to me like the animal spirits are being released between the tax cuts, lower regulation. Uh, that always seems to be a catalyst, at least for a while, uh, for an economy. Right. And also, I, I think we mentioned this uh, in the past, but uh, uh, Ben Bernanke, the former uh, Fed chair, uh, is actually very uh, positive for the next year or so which is unusual for someone in that, in that situation. They usually not uh, uh, want to go out on the limb uh, in a positive way or a negative way. So I think the short-term outlook is very strong. Again, lots of things are happening now. It may be that the uh, uh, waiting for uh, high tech and so on is not going to do as well the next uh, few months compared to traditional things. That's sort of a rearrangement of uh, a, a not, a, not a change in direction. I saw that personal savings rates uh, was 68 percent through the first quarter that was more than double the prior reading of 3.3 percent yeah. could be an aberration i suppose yeah. but that's a good sign and uh, especially compared to zero back uh, 10 years ago or so but again it's a uh a double-edged sword i mean saving rate goes up it means consumption is not as strong so uh, but in the long run a, a high savings rate actually is a very good thing but when we look at the gdp it looked like when the personal consumption expenditures basically what the consumer is spending yeah. out there 70 percent of the economy that was yeah. up a good solid four right. percent so it looks like at least for that quarter they were the higher savings yeah. and uh investing uh and and consumer spending went hand in hand and it may be some of these things that just go unnoticed. Um, when household net worth peaked in uh, 2007, um, yeah. and ever since then, there's been all every article is negative, yeah. negative, negative. But when I go look at the most recent figures, Three. it's a hundred trillion dollars now, uh, the household net uh, net worth, right. and that's fifty percent higher than it was prior to the recession. Right. And so be almost made, uh, yeah. and the de- and the level of debt relative to their balance yeah. sheet. Has gone down to a twenty or thirty year low. I mean, these this is pretty amazing considering a ten year period that we've had coming off the yeah. second worst economic and stock market slide. It would have almost been unimaginable to say, "Oh yeah, uh, by two thousand and thirteen, by the way, yeah. household net worth, the stock market will be at all time new highs." And yeah. by the way, uh, ten years from now, from uh, saying I'm in two thousand nine right. uh, or so. A household net worth would be fifty percent higher, right. and it, a lot it of it would have been unimaginable. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with uh, for a lot of household net worth is in housing values, so that it's was all time really hit very hard 
uh, with the, uh, the, the recession because that was uh, targeted in the uh, in the uh, housing sector. So again, it's a very, very remarkable recovery. It's remar- in that doesn't that suggest? It always suggests to me, and my clients think I'm an incurable optimist. I think I'm a, I'm a realist. I, I think optimism is the only worldview that squares with the facts. And to me, um, it, what seemed unimaginable, just the story of the resilience of our relatively free market system uh, and the way we protect people's property rights. Right. Uh, and, and sometimes we overdo regula- regulation. That's debatable, of course. Uh, but the resiliency is unimaginable. Right. Again, we, we've... Uh, again, uh, we talk about these things periodically, but uh, we we come to a situation where we still have uh, declines in the stock market, but the recoveries have been extremely quick. We haven't had a ten, you know, five or ten year period like we had in the uh, '60s and '70s where nothing was happening. So again, even when it goes down, it tends to bounce back very quickly. We always uh, give the caveat that that's not necessarily going to be true in the future, but it certainly has been true the last. Uh, 30 years or so. And everybody's obsessing about, and I, I wrote a little bit about it in the most recent newsletter that just went out yesterday to my clients, about this inverted yield curve because of the last seven out of seven recessions, the yield curve inverted, which meant right. that short-term rates are higher than long-term rates, and then that means we're going to get a recession. No, inverted yield curves by themselves don't yeah. cause the recession. It's really a symptom of the Fed really tightening too much. Right. And I I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I I think these uh, the the doom and gloomers are probably wrong on this one. Right. Um, it does it's not impossible we can have a recession starting tomorrow. My point is when you look at the big picture, <coughs> considering the nominal GDP's pretty strong. Look where the really interest rates are today. I still think the Fed's behind the curve, and uh, and there were anything but tight. And I, I think even if the Federal Reserve, it appears to me, if they raised uh, interest rates on the federal funds to 3.5%, which would take six more tightenings by the end of 2019, still on a historical basis, not tight. Right. And, 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 yeah, there was actually. I suggest uh, maybe we have more yeah. room between now and a recession. One of the people we often mention here is uh, Burton Malkiel, and, and he had an article uh, yesterday, the day before, in the Wall Street Journal saying that the inverted yield curve is probably not going to happen. and. And to the extent it's uh, flattening, it's not necessarily a problem. So I think that's true. Again, it's not. Uh, there's no sure sign one way or another. But I don't think this is a an imminent sign of uh, something bad happening. Yeah, I, it's just uh, it's been fascinating. Uh, I've, we've been on the right side of it. Um, again, we don't we're not predictors and we're not forecasters. So I want to be clear on that. We're not saying, oh, you know, listen to us and we're going to be right. Mm-hmm. But I think the optimism that we've this idea of this trust the resilience of the of the yeah. U.S. consumer, of the market economy, it probably didn't pay to be pessimistic right. all through this. And we know that we had net stock market liquidations mm-hmm. until 2013. So the biggest one of the biggest parts of the bull market was between 2009 and 2013, where we finally mm-hmm. took all time highs, and yet investors were in net liquidation they right. so in, in aggregate they missed most investors missed a big front end part of this right. and uh it just never seems to end yeah. that way one one note also that we uh people should realize is that uh good news doesn't always uh, manifest itself in uh the stock market going up for example we had uh the strongest gdp growth for uh quite a long time and yet people were disappointed because they expected it to be even higher and it, it wasn't. So, uh, again, uh, 
the fact that the economy seems to be strong and is going to continue to be strong for probably a year or so is not necessarily uh, uh, a case for an explosion of stock market values we, either one way or another. But sustaining the yeah. kind of levels we've just right. experienced in this quarter really is something that hasn't been done since no. Bill Clinton was president. Right. And uh, when you think about that, that's a long time right. uh, since that's happened. And so to, to just assume that this strong 4% GDP growth is yeah. sustainable would certainly, if you have a, a, an adult memory, you go, oh, it turns out that's probably not so easy, yeah. easily done and easily achieved. Um, but I just, I did find it amazing that a lot of these declinists that really were just trying to convince everybody for the last seven, eight, nine years that, well, no, this is just the new, this is the new deal. It's 2% economy as far as the eye can see. Uh, again, I, I think, uh, I think my view, and I, I mean, I could be dead wrong in this, Fred, uh, is the government crowds out the private markets. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's really, a, it's a big, it's a big issue. I think when we go into these slow growth periods, you, they usually mm -hmm. coincide with big growth in government, whether you're for it or against it. I'm not, I'm not arguing one way or another. It just seems, and I don't know if there's well, I think causation that, there, but, uh, but also the, one of the reasons why they, uh, expect the slow growth is that they, we have a kind of a baked in growth in the, in the government sector because of the, uh, uh, re people retiring and uh, more going to transfers, things of that sort. So again, I think that uh, maybe two two percent is uh, overly pessimistic. I think but, so. But I think I'd, we're out I'd of be, that mode. I'd be delighted to get three percent. Well, sure. isn't it isn't it great that yeah. that the whole financial industry is uh, kibitzing about whether it could be three and a half or four or it's yeah. or two point eight or or two point nine? I mean, right. uh, uh, th just stepping back and say, "Wow, how the how the 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 story has changed." Uh, yeah, you don't hear much about. Uh, only a few months ago, it was deflation, and now you, you don't hear that at all. No, and I I wrote in a newsletter maybe a year ago that get ready for inflation, and that would be, of course, the one thing that everybody's going to be overly hyped about yeah. coming. Uh, you know, inflation is ticking up for, to be sure. Sir, it's at a minimum; it's at the Fed's target rate. Uh, but I still think the Fed's behind the curve. I mean, historically, we, you know, if you look at a 10-year Treasury, it might be about 1.8% below nominal GDP. Uh, I mean, about 0. 0.4, 0. 0.45%. So they're usually pretty closely tracked, the 10-year yield and nominal. Right. Here we are today at about 180 basis point, 1.8% below. Shows me that the Fed is not tight. So right. I, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about that. And uh, it's... Oh, what a country we live in, guys. And uh, now we're going to switch gears a little bit to Ryan. You recently published your first Investopedia article. And the reason we always bring up Investopedia is, uh, is it's kind of the go-to worldwide place for really quality financial content. And if you can write an article that they will put on their platform, uh, I think you've accomplished something for sure. And, it's, and, and as I might have mentioned, if you hear our ad, Sun Paul, uh, was chosen as Investopedia is one of their top hundred most influential advisors in America. So, we really respect Investopedia not just for that reason, just because it's it's generally accepted as a really high quality place. Well, you wrote that article and it was picked up by Nasdaq, um, and that um, was an article about financial planning tips for new parents, which shouldn't come any surprise to anybody uh, with a two-year-old, your first one, <laughs> or two and a half-year-old my little Texas tornado, and uh, then another one on the way. I mean, for you, it's natural that you might write an article like this. Uh, Paul's going to share that on our company social media pages on our website or link the comments to the Facebook Live video for those of you watching on Facebook. Um, 
what was the motivation behind writing this? I mean, is it just something hit you or you just had something you've been thinking about ever since Cooper was born? It was really just like a, a reflection on what it was like to have a child and then take that from the financial perspective. And I just kind of thought back on the things that I had to do and thought, you know, some of the things I thought I did right. And one thing I know I certainly did wrong, and we'll talk about that here. Uh, but it was just a way for me to say, listen, here's a, a helpful guide for young parents. Anyone who's got a new child is probably uh, a little bit overwhelmed, especially if it was your first, like it was for me. And uh, maybe this will give a little bit of uh, steps that you can go through to make sure that you have your T's crossed and your I's dotted as you're going into this new world as a parent and a new world financially. And what surprised me when I read the article, yes, I do read them, uh, was that you basically teed off with retirement planning. So to me, those two things, I'm, I'm not expecting the one of the first parts of the article to be centered around retirement planning when we're talking about financial planning tips for new parents. Mm -hmm. um, is that just a coincidence or was that is that was your number one thing that you think people should think about? I think it's important to do simply because it's a lot easier as you're younger to get in the habit of putting money away for retirement now when you have less demands and uh, less shiny objects looking in looking at you from Amazon or across the shelves to say, I'm Amazon. Oh, hey, Amazon. Isn't it the best? But it's the worst. It's the curse. <laughs> Just because I mean, I can't get on Amazon and not find something that I don't you need. need. No, I think you need. <laughs> well, you, I probably don't need it, but I want it. <laughs> so it's so easy uh, to pick up something now, to order something with two-day shipping. And it's like, well, maybe if you had put in a little bit of safeguards in the first place by forcing yourself to live on lesser means, by having your, your investment uh, retirement planning set up from the beginning, it's kind of just a little bit of a, a check or even a, a mental check to say that I've got money that is dedicated already to retirement, um, and now I have to live on the rest as opposed to maybe looking two, three, four years into having a child and say, oh, now it's time for me to get serious about uh, storing money for retirement. It's it's a way for you to get ahead of the curve and not to have to work backwards. Well, and, and I think retirement aside, whether you, you say you're saving money for retirement or not, I think the key principle is you need to make sure you're putting yourself in a good financial position. You're taking care of yourself instead of, I think it's it's only natural being you know, a parent to want to provide everything that you can to your children. And I think a lot of times that leads to parents overspending, not saving for retirement, not, you know, saving up an emergency fund, which I think you're going to talk about, and just not taking care of themselves. And, you know, it's kind of like the airplane analogy where they say you need to put your own mask on so that, you know, you don't pass out and then you're unable to help your children. It's kind of the same thing. If you don't do some of these things, you could be looking you know, 20, 30 years down the road, and now you're depending on your children, and no one really wants that. Yep. And your next thing was emergency fund, Would you, but would it be fair to say um, that's at least as important? In other words, you kind of need to be doing that at least the same time, at least tracking on building an emergency fund? Agreed, and, and you should have an emergency fund before you have children too. So it, it, it goes hand in hand with retirement. Ideally, you're planning for your retirement, you're saving extra money up for an emergency fund before you have a child. But the fact that having a child kind of amplifies the importance of these things. And anyone who's a parent can agree that children are unpredictable. You know, one minute you're running around the house, the next minute you've got a crying baby and maybe you're rushing to the ER for the a Next cut. minute they have a cape on and they're on the roof. Yeah. So <laughs> things escalate quickly. Um, so they do. And that kind of leads... I guess in some ways to your next one, 
which is make sure that your insurance is in check because it's one thing to do all these things right you have an emergency fund you're saving away and then you don't you neglect the insurance side of things like okay so now what could go wrong right and so you know <laughs> when i think your little one how active he is you know it won't be long he'll be on the roof with the cape i yeah, suppose for sure and, and and, and that was kind of your next recommendation. Right. I mean, it's easy for, for you to get your children on your health insurance, assuming, of course, you have a, an insurance plan through maybe your work. You just call them up and you have the ability to just add them onto the plan. Uh, one thing that you have to try to remember is that your child now is its own independent person, so they have their own deductibles and out-of-pocket maximum. So there's, it's not like uh, you have to save the same amount of money for your retirement fund, or excuse me, for your emergency fund. Now you maybe want to expand your emergency fund to include these potential extra costs that you're going to incur by having uh, more health care costs. Um, so this is an area where you simply just have to make sure you make that phone call for health insurance. Typically, you have 30 to 60 days, uh, something you certainly want to check on with your own insurance carrier because they are different. But just make sure you don't forget because then you can be phased out from enrolling. Fred, it used to be so much easier when we had right. kids. I mean, it, <laughs> really, so many things, I guess, were maybe more complicated. Yeah. Like you had to drive and read a map. <laughs> uh, things you know, things yeah. like that. The point and, about the emergency fund, though, is really important. But I, I've just been reading that uh, there, there are some plans that force uh, lower-income people into 401 401ks and so on. And it turns out that's not a particularly good deal unless they have an emergency fund because they end up Taking money out of their uh, fund and paying penalties and so on. So actually having an emergency fund allows you to do these other things like start saving for college and saving for uh, retirement. Does the state of Illinois have a large they have it, but it has emergency it. fund? They, they have it. No, they don't have an emergency fund, but they have, they're going to have the uh, kind of mandatory nudge to uh, put people into a 401k, but that hasn't been approved yet by the IRS. Uh-huh. But again, there's kind of a, it seems like a good idea, but it's only a good idea if you do these other things as well. So really, yeah, the prerequisite is if you don't have an emergency fund in place, anything you do might, you know, there's a really good chance that the first thing that pops up, now you're borrowing from your 401k, which is not a good idea as a rule, uh, but worse yet, you're taking money out directly, paying income tax on it, all at the same time you have this either medical or emergency crisis, you know, the water heater and the roof go at the same time. You know, and I just had a thought, too. I know a lot of our listeners may be more in the grandparent <clears throat> phase. Sure. And maybe some of this stuff seems like common sense to them. But I see every single day people who aren't doing a lot of these things, who are, you know, either approaching having children or have children. So for those of you people who are listening and are grandparents, you know, maybe it's it's worth having a discussion with your children to make sure they have some of these basic things in place, um, just kind of as a side note to all of this. But, you know, one of the issues is, and you've seen it, um, we're in the retirement business, so most of our clients grew up in the shadows of the Depression. And probably more often than not, it's a family that doesn't talk about money issues. Um, and I don't know if you agree with that, Fred, but that's my, my read on it is as, as each 10 years go by, families seem to open up more and more about that. But uh, it does take crossing that barrier um, do you discuss that? Did you ever discuss those kind of issues with your kids or was it uh, I don't hands think so. off? Not, not uh, later on when they're adults, but probably not uh, very much when they're younger. So. Right. And, and I think, Dave, you're right. I think if you can, uh, let's face it, when you're in the throes, you're getting married, then you're having children and, you know, you're not sleeping. 
you may not be thinking these things. So it is a good role for a grandparent to play to say, wait a minute, uh, do you have an emergency fund? How, you know, you don't have to ask how much it is, but you could say, you know, it should be three to six months of your spending, what your crisis spending needs is. Because, you know, you, you want to be able to always pay for food. You want to be able to have heat and air conditioning and you want to have your house. And, you know, just to make sure you have enough money to keep those, have, it, have a car or transportation to get to work to continue earning a living. This all comes out of that emergency. Yeah, David may be overly optimistic about kids taking their parents' advice. <laughs> it might be. Uh, but, uh, but maybe after enough repetition, uh, hopefully uh, it starts to plant that seed maybe. But you're right. They're not going to run out and say, oh, great, great idea. I'm going to go out and, and, and make sure that I have my... Uh, emergency fund and I'm going to start doing some real retirement planning and I'm going to make sure I have all my insurances. I, I don't think I've met that person yet that even if they were advised to do that at a young age that did it. And that kind of leads to the next one, which you don't really think about when you think about, well, having a children and all this and let alone retirement savings. It's what about your estate plan or really your basic documents? Uh, making sure that, again, it's just another form of insurance and, you know, ensuring that if something prematurely happens to you and your spouse, that everything you wanted to have done gets done. So you, you had that fitting in there. Do you think most people, Ryan, and, and what's your advice to them and what are the, what are the go-to things that they really need to think about? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think this is an area that probably falls last or towards the bottom of the list for most new parents. And this is the area where I didn't pass the test uh, when I said earlier, some things I did well, some one thing I really didn't do well. This is the area that I didn't do well. So I don't write this blog from the perspective that I did all this right. Uh, I wrote it from my experience. And um, for for the purpose of listeners, you should really have a plan in place so that if something does happen to you, there is not a unknown of what happens to your children okay i see that we have a uh, caller john you're on the air on the money yes john good morning yes sir good morning uh, i've got an ira rollover question okay um i will be turning 59 and a half in november okay uh, currently my retirement savings are in a 401k okay and i uh, my question is are there any pitfalls to look for i mean what i want to do is roll over out of the 401k into a traditional IRA to avoid the fees I'm being charged okay. in the 401k. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure about the withdrawal requirements. Um, I think I understand that I can withdraw the same way I'm doing with the 401k without any penalty and any amount I want until I'm 72 and a half. But uh, I, need, I need some guidance here. Okay. David, why don't you handle that? Yeah, because you're over the age of 59 and a half, you can withdraw basically as much or as little as you want up until, as you mentioned, it's actually age 70 and a half, where you have to take out a, a minimum amount. They call it required minimum distribution. 401ks actually operate pretty much the exact same way. Um, the advantage of a 401k for the listeners who are a little bit younger than you are is that you can actually take withdrawals um, after the age 55 if you separate from service. So there's a little advantage there to some people. To you, that's not very applicable. So I don't see any downside to moving to the IRA. Um, if you're, you know, for people who are still working for their company, there are exceptions to required minimum distribution rules uh, for a 401k plan. But if you're going to retire before that point, I think that's kind of a moot point for most people. Um, so really, I don't think there are any pitfalls that you're going to fall into or anything you need to, to worry yeah, about. I think you're right. I, I think, yeah. I think you're good to and go. Then, 
final question would be Vanguard is still a, a top-notch place to do this, right? Uh, I can't think of anybody, you know, that I would say is better. Um, uh, we have no affiliation with them. Uh, as I said, right. I always say they don't know we exist. Uh, I've just, as an observer for 35 years of watching that company and recommending uh, that fund family, I have gotten no feedback that ever had made me regret recommending that that home for people's money. What you do there is obviously between you and either yourself or an advisor there. Uh, so world-class company, uh, thought leaders. Well, we use a firm that's very similar, Dimensional Fund Advisors. Uh, they're, you know, they're basically identical. We use them for a different set of reasons, but there's, I wouldn't arm wrestle anybody between one or the other. But certainly Vanguard's available to the retail investor, and it's a wonderful place to go. And if you want to see the hair of your advisors, you know, uh, of a broker or an insurance person's hair on their neck, go up, tell them, just say, how come we're not in Vanguard funds? And you'll watch them uh, to, to turn pale. So I think you're, you have something to add to that, Ryan. And one thing I would say when you actually go about performing this rollover, it is good to do a direct rollover. Uh, so that way you're not taking possessions of the funds. And that way you're not right. due to uh, have a big tax bill later in, for next year so. Doing a direct rollover will help you avoid that. And Vanguard will make it. It'll be the easiest thing you do today. Very good. Okay. Thanks so much for the All help. Right. I'm glad it helped. Uh, we're going to go to the next caller. Uh, we're going to go to Tom on line two. Tom, welcome to On the Money. Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, got a question for you. I'm 75 years old. I'm drawing Social Security. Uh, I'm also got a part-time job which i'm paying they're taking out of my check for social security am i eligible to draw more money uh, what, draw more money you mean because you're working from my social security yeah i i think he's asking if his social security benefit will increase because oh, okay. he's still working so he's yeah that's what paying i'm asking the will, my, years. will my benefit increase it, I think the answer is it depends um the the benefit you receive from social security is going to be based on your 35 highest years of compensation adjusted for inflation. Um, so it depends, you know, if you didn't have 35 full years of work where you paid into Social Security, no matter what you're earning, I think it could go up. Um, if you already had 35 years of full-time work where you were probably making more than you are now, it probably won't Right, increase. I did. Yeah, so if you're if you're if you're at a high wage, and in other words, if your wages basically stayed the same or inflated a bit, uh, there's a good chance that it's possible that you will end up getting a higher benefit ultimately. But I think so because he, he's working, he's already part, been in 35 years and he's working part time. 35. So I uh, I don't okay. I don't expect it to go oh, up. Oh, if you're working part time now. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, I I wouldn't look for it to go up then. I was thinking. Oh. I was thinking you were. Aware, I, I missed that. I thought you were working full time and you were still collecting. Uh, then there was a chance oh. for that, but I doubt it. I really doubt it because really, what it comes down to is once you've had thirty-five years being paid into the system, the only way you really get to step up your benefit amount is if you earn more this year than your lowest of the thirty-five prior years you worked. So you're kind of replacing a lower earning year with a higher earning year. I can't imagine Somehow. that's the case working part time. It doesn't make sense that I'm paying in and I can't get more. <laughs> well, so, that's, so uh, can I tell my employer don't take out any more income tax? Well, the, the good news is in the old days you probably would have had your Social Security reduced because right. of your work, and now now you don't. So at least now that you're <laughs> as a full retirement age, they're not dinging you for it, uh, and so at least you're not getting penalized for it. And 
I hear what you're saying. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, put your place in uh, somebody who's taught at a university or worked at a university level, but maybe they paid into Social Security for five or ten years. They basically don't get much of a benefit at all for, for having done that work. So it's certainly not, so, it's certainly not an equal uh, f- fairness out there. So with the Social Security system, it's pay me now or pay me later, right? I suppose, but you know, a lot of people uh, will come into my office and and they they don't think of their social security as all that valuable of a of an income stream. They'll say, "Well, it's only fifteen hundred a month, or it's two thousand a month." That's not really. And I always translate it into how much money would a person have to have in treasury inflation protected securities to generate a an inflation adjusted income of that sort, and it's in the million. Right. It's in the millions of dollars. So, Tom, you're a millionaire. Yeah. You just didn't know it. You know, and it, and it also no. is paid for the rest of your life, and that's that's hugely valuable. As Great like a longevity, longevity insurance. Hedge. Yeah. So, so if back in the day when I first started paying Social Security after I got out of the military, if I instead of paying that, I'd have put into a four hundred one k or something, I'd probably have a couple million bucks, right? Uh, some some could do a calculation and make certain assumptions that show that for many people they would be better off, but for many maybe not so much. It really depends on so many things, Tom. You know, as far as it, it really takes somebody to not only do the investing, but to allocate it properly and then to behave properly. That's kind of yeah. like asking a dog to be a cat. It's my belief that <laughs> uh, you know uh, to be human. Yeah. Uh, you know, hu- human nature is a failed investor. And that's why, uh, probably for a lot of people, that Social Security check uh, is probably higher than that they would have accumulated themselves. So it's, possi- it's possible to outdo it for sure. I mean, I, if it was up to me, I would have done that personally uh, would have, if that was a choice. But for a lot of people, I see the difficulty uh, that people have just by being humans and the emotional nature of that, that I'm not sure how... Well, that would end unless it was Fred. What would you for a while? They talked about making some of it private, right? To that extent, yeah. if the government, instead of buying just bonds behind it or synthetic bonds, IOUs, yeah. if they invested in, say, just the, the total market index, it could make a pretty persuasive article that 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 would have improved so the social yeah. security system. Would well, it's not? a very complicated issue, though. But it, it, if you or I do that, it doesn't affect the market, but Correct. if you threw the whole Social Security pot in there is going to uh, be a lot of unpredictable kind of outcomes there. So, again, uh, I, uh, if you go back a long ways, the people early on did extremely well in Social Security. The people probably the age of the caller uh, broke even or maybe did right. better. Uh, people the age of Ryan and David aren't right. going to do as well as uh, no, the I, they put in. Would you say, Fred, if we go – if we 100 years from now we look back that – Tom and people like Tom probably caught the sweet spot of Social Security. Right. Uh, that's, that's my belief, Tom. I, don't, I think okay. going forward for the youngins, uh, I'm not so sure they're going to get your deal. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks for calling, Tom. You bet. Uh, we are now going to go to Rob on line one. Rob, welcome to On the Money. Rob, are you there? I'll try Hello? it again. Right, yeah, Rob, gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah, I work for the federal government, and I okay. uh, had a question about um, TSP account. Yes, sir. I've got uh, 15% a traditional IRA. Okay. And uh, I was told uh, it would be a good idea to 
also start a Roth IRA uh, okay. account. So I put uh, starting to put five percent into that. Now you're still and talking about your TSP. So you're saying in your TSP you have a traditional yep. portion. It's not really yep. an IRA, but I know what you meant. But I want to make clear yep. for the callers. And there's a Roth provision that says you can also put some of your money where it's not tax free up front. But if you as long as you follow the rules, you don't get a deduction up front. But the money you pull out is tax free. Okay. So, yeah, that's correct. So so fifteen percent of the traditional, and then added to five percent on the Roth. Um, does that sound like a reasonable thing to do? I'm 57. I'm going to retire at 65. Uh, it seems I mean, look. There's no right answer here. Okay, I like to uh -huh. hedge my bets. So, um, it, I could, if somebody could tell me a couple of things, uh, what their tax racket's going to be in the future, precisely, and what it is now, mm -hmm. I can tell you which way to go 100. Uh, percent mm -hmm. I don't think anybody with uh, who's sane would say that they absolutely, dispositively know what their future tax brackets are going to be. My guess is, uh, I find that for retirees, uh, taxation is really favorable, particularly in the state of Illinois, which shocks people because so much of your income isn't taxed in Illinois as a retiree. So I think you're going to find, if you're like most people, at least the first, what, Dave, three to five to seven years, you might be in a very low tax bracket. So your chances are... I like the idea of hedging it. I guess that's my, I guess I'm going down a long path. I'm going to stop myself and say, uh, if you said it was, you know, half in traditional and half in the other. Now, what would you say your marginal tax bracket is today? Do you know? Um, maybe like 28%. Okay. So I'm probably, I like the way you're doing it. I think I'm at 28% marginal tax bracket, Dave. I kind of like your mix. Uh, I like the idea of, hey, we don't know. So we're going to put some in the Roth provision a quarter of it, and three-fourths of your money going in traditional. It's probably sensible. Right. The good news, okay. too, is that uh, the federal plan is one of the best there is. Oh, they have really, really good low-cost investment options. This is uh, getting a technical point. I'm not, a, again, even less of an advisor than Paul. But uh, Nobody's uh, less of an advisor than me. That's what <laughs> Dave says. You might think about, <laughs> if it's possible, to keep putting it in the, uh, the regular one and then transfer your existing funds into the Roth uh, because you wouldn't have to pay the state tax on that. Oh, I, I that's yes, I agree. That's probably something you want to discuss with your CPA, but it certainly is doable, and it's certainly uh, it's not, not talking to your CPA because it's fuzzy. It's just to make sure that you have a clear understanding of what Fred's saying. Another thing, though, and I think if you, uh, uh, Rob, if you heard us outside of this studio talking about this issue, one of us is going to say, you know, whether you put how much in a Roth versus traditional is really not the difference maker in the end. It doesn't move the quality of retirement needle, the how soon the retirement comes needle, very much at all. It's really the important question. The most important question is how, and I'm not asking you how you're allocated, but for you to think about how you are allocated in that thrift savings plan. That is much more of a driver of the next two to three decades of your lifestyle than any other issue the, the, the Roth versus traditional decision is almost irrelevant. At least in my view, you guys can chime in. But to me, that is the real valuable question. And the answer to that is the most valuable uh, part. Well, I, you can, can, I can tell you I'm 80% in the C fund and 10% in the S fund and 10% in the I fund. Okay. Well, uh, C fund, is the, that's the corporate bonds? Yep. Okay. Uh, it's common common stock. Oh, common index. stock. Uh, I'm not going to argue with that one. Uh, when are you going to retire, roughly? 
if you feel comfortable. Eight, eight years. Okay. I don't have any issues with that. Uh, now, that wouldn't be textbook, guys. It would be, well, you should probably start moving more towards a balance because I heard you said 80% in the C fund. Yep. 10% S and I, 10%, yep. Yeah. So, so small, somewhat, small cap. Yep. So And international. Okay, so here's, here's one thing to think about. And the more research I do, personal research, not just reading other people's research, really deep dives into this uh, when we're getting towards retirement and after retirement. Uh, first, I would say the three to five years prior to retirement and three to five years, the first three to five years in retirement, I really don't want you being 80% or 90% in the stock market. I really don't. Mm -hmm. So I think as you get within five years, I would be, I would almost instantly as a default go to a 50-50 position. Not permanently, Rob, not permanently. I could even argue that you go to 40% in the stock market, 60%, and build this, what I call a bond tent. It's because, and the reason I'm saying this, is what happens, you look, you've never had more money than you'll have, you know, other than that, you know, five years into retirement, three years of towards retirement, you're going to have probably more money than you've ever had. So you're susceptible to significant declines in the stock market, even though they're temporary, we'll always talk about them being temporary, it can have an impact when we start thinking about we're going to need to withdraw and de-accumulate from these accounts. What if we don't need to withdraw for till what we're forced to at seven and a half? Then I'm comfortable with where you are. I'm, I'm very comfortable with where you are with the caveat that you understand and you look back and you live through 2008, 2009. Uh, yep. That's a big outlier. I'm not going to suggest it couldn't experience something worse uh, between now mm -hmm. and then, but Sure. If if you can handle that and not and keep your head about you know keep your head with you, uh, mm -hmm. I have no concerns. A lot of people can't, so that's why the industry okay. industry tends to default to really boring portfolios, even permanently throughout retirement. I don't do that. I defy that common idea. Uh, but as long as you can emotionally handle it, Dave, go ahead. I, you have comments. Yeah, and I think the other thing to think about is the fact that you're not needing to take withdrawals from your investment portfolio suggests you have other significant income streams. And for people yep. who are listening, you can count income streams such as like guaranteed pension income or social security income as fixed income. Right. I mean, that's really Synthetic. what it is at its essence. Yep. Um, and so if you look at that as fixed income and you basically count that towards the stable portion of your portfolio, it's covering your expenses, then you really have the freedom to take that you know, you could be 100% stock, but if you mix everything together and you count that right. income stream as fixed income, your overall portfolio, in quotes, looks more balanced. And that's kind of where Rob's going to end up. I'm comfortable with where you are. Actually, I love it. And with my caveat, sounds like you can pass the fluctuation isn't going to bother me. I'm not going to do something that is that I'm going to regret. In the face of that, I'm very comfortable. And 20% is a very... Heavy savings rate too. Oh yeah, have, yeah, you got a heavy savings rate. You're doing everything right. Uh, you know, you get an A plus and go get to sit in the front of the class. <laughs> All right, I appreciate you. Great, great to talk to you. Thanks. All right, bye bye. Bye. We are going to Frank on line two. Frank, welcome to On the Money. Thank you. Um, I also have a, um, a social security question. Yes, sir. Um, could you have somebody explain the windfall elimination provision? Yeah, David, I know you, you spend quite a bit of time. There's, of course, there's a couple different provisions that we get. Sometimes our brain goes back and forth, the, the windfall elimination and uh, the government pension offset. 
Yeah, it's been a while since I looked at it, and like you said, it's easy to get them tripped up. But the windfall elimination provision, if I'm remembering correctly, is is basically a reduction to your own benefits. If you essentially you're eligible for benefits because you paid into Social Security at some point in your lifetime, but then you went and you worked for somewhere like the University of Illinois where you're not paying into Social Security. And what they essentially do is reduce your stated Social Security benefit, like the amount you'll see on your statement will actually be overstated. They're going to reduce that um, by a certain amount. And and it's kind of a convoluted formula um, because what they do is they, re- they reduce the percentage of your, it's called average index monthly earnings that they replace. I believe that's correct. It, let, uh, it is. Now, and it, you know, and, and again, if you've worked 30 years prior to uh, you working for a system where you're not covered under Social Security, basically yeah. there's, so if you only work 10 years of Social Security, you're going to get more of a haircut. Right. Yeah. And th- this is an area where there's uh, a lot of unhappiness, not surprisingly, with retirees, especially uh, I do a lot of people who are uh, SERS retirees. And the, the, the lot, uh, unlike a lot of government programs, there actually is a logic here. If, if you work for uh, a organization like the University of Illinois or the state of Illinois where you don't pay into Social Security, uh, that's supposed to substitute for it. So, for example, in my case, I get a pension uh, from the University of Illinois, which is uh, a, a very solid sort of thing. But from Social Security standpoint, I would look like a relatively poor person because I had a few thousand dollars a year in uh, non-university income over right. a long period of time. And the Social Security system rewards low-income people they pay them at a higher right. rate than others. So, so I would look like a low-income person, even though I'm not. And so what they do is try to eliminate that uh, so-called windfall. So it's not a pleasant thing, and people are very unhappy, and they're even even more unhappy because the uh, Social Security Administration doesn't tell you that when they send right. out their uh, estimates of your... They, they do have a calculator online that you can use. Um, if you look on uh, ssa.gov, and you look, they'll have a, a WEP-adjusted uh, benefit calculator. And so, well, I have a I have a uh, issue what I and others call uh, a first impression financial double jeopardy. In other words, as teachers, from some of our earnings as teachers, and as you know, teachers like university uh, employees do not participate in Social Security right. because if they do, um, you know, if they have Social Security, their Social Security benefits are penalized because they receive a pension from a system that did where they didn't pay into Social Security, but not not. In Illinois, and teach retirement system. For example, from some of my earnings as a teacher, I was told it was federal law that I had to pay into Social Security. Then I couldn't contribute to the teach retirement system. So, on one hand, my teacher retirement system is my, my pension is penalized because I was not allowed to contribute to the teach retirement system from all of my earnings as a teacher. And on the other hand, my Social Security benefits are penalized because I receive a pension from the Illinois teach retirement system of financial double jeopardy. And so that, you know, this is kind of a, a deal where you, it's the uh, solution to all pension problems. The state requires you to violate federal law, and the federal, and the federal government penalizes you for violating federal law. What that shakes out to me is this. My Social Security benefits were established from four years in the military and from uh, 30 years of uh, uh, summer school teaching. My Social Security benefits that I earned as uh, in military are penalized because I receive a pension from the teach retirement system. Yep. 
Got it. Social right. security benefits. The social security benefits I receive as a teacher are penalized because I receive a pension from the teacher retirement system. Right. This that, is, this the, is, yeah, the, the federal a, rules are, are... No, no, you're trying to cut me off. This is a scam that needs to be looked into. And I don't know why you guys do not look into it. Why were teachers allowed or compelled not to contribute to their teacher retirement system? Tell me that. I, I'm not no, familiar with that. No, there is one potential out. Uh, if you have 30 years of substantial no, earnings... No, that's substantial, that's substantial earnings. He didn't earn substantial earnings in the summertime. Okay, so if you have 30 years of substantial earnings, this would not apply to you. Uh, but I didn't. Yeah, he's just saying his weren't substantial I earnings I because they weren't substantial. I was required to acquire non-substantial earnings, which took the teacher retirement system yeah. off the hook. And by the way, the elephant in the room is we had we were compelled to acquire Medicare, and so all of our earnings, all of our claims that we submit for our health coverage first goes through Medicare, not teacher retirement system. How about looking into it? I would. Hey, will you call me? Uh, not this week because I'm heading on vacation after this show. But if you'll, and feel free to call in the office this week and you can talk to my son, Dave, or Ryan. Uh, you're hitting me with something I'm not exactly familiar with. So that's why I, there you might get some quietness out of me for the first time, quietness. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Educate me a little bit about your exact issue so that we can study it up a bit. Would you do that? that? Three five six fourteen hundred. 1400 It's very straightforward. As a teacher, I was... Compelled okay. not to contribute to the teacher retirement system. Right. Okay, we only have a few minutes left, so we're going to move on. We'll certainly look into that. Thanks. And last but not least, Gary on line three. Welcome to On the Money, Gary. Good morning. Yes, sir. I have, if if the stock market goes to you know where, and then you're taking out your required minimum distribution per year, do they recalculate that if all of a sudden your assets are worth? Half what they were. Well, well, the next year, the next year it, it would. It it would in other words, that. it's going to catch up because it's it's based on the end of the year balance. So if towards the end of the year it's lower, you say, "Wow, we I took more than I would have had to take." Well, next year is going to be based on that lower amount at the end of the year. Okay, so they do recalculate it. Then. In essence, yes, there is an adjustment for it. It follows along. It tracks with. It maybe not perfectly. Maybe the day you take it out might be the low of the year compared to where it is at the end of the year. But essentially, if you right. think of it as on a smoothing out basis, it is built into the system where lower balances uh, you take out less, fewer dollars uh, from your required minimum distribution. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it does. I, I was kind of hoping that's the way it was, but I didn't know. <laughs> yes, sir. It sure is. All right. All right, Gary. You. Thanks for calling. Well, guys, we've got a few minutes left. That was a flurry of phone calls uh i, I think we gave uh, at least helpful answers i like yeah. to think so uh, fred i really wasn't clear on frank's issue i'll, I'll think through it some well, well i think it's uh, i mean it, 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 it seemed not, like it sounded like it was something unique but then he's saying you know this is not unique well i think the, the, the problem is regardless of how uh unfair it is it's not nothing that a planner can do anything about it's a federal law and you there are organizations uh, people who are unhappy, like Frank, who are trying to overturn that, but it's nothing that an individual can do. It has to be done through the legislative process, which is not a very, uh, very promising avenue. But does it, is it, does it resonate why somebody might be irritated sure. about that? I mean, well, I, I mean you might not think it's, you might think, you might 
disagree and say yeah. it's not unfair. It's kind of no. People are almost everyone is irritated if you if you go to uh, a serious uh, annuitants okay. to a person they're they're probably unhappy about and this. It's, but not every state does this, correct? No, only states like Ohio, Illinois, a few other states. Is it be, uh, is it what's unique about those states? Are they not? Yeah, the, putting uh, money into Social Security, yeah, when, or some of them are doing the same thing, but they're not yeah. making that adjustment. Well, back when uh, Social Security came into being and was expanding, uh, states were given an option of, of, for their employees not to participate in Social Security. And once you did that, uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't take out the money, and you can't. So that's the way, the way it is in a few states, in particular Ohio and Illinois. But for the first time, I, you, you said something that where it made sense to me is when you said the way they replace a much larger portion of what they call a low earner's right. income. And so if you didn't work full time and you just work for four or five or six years on paper in isolation, you look like somebody who's... Uh, I don't want to, a low earner, I right. guess is the best well, same, way to say I mean, it. Same thing, if you're a university employee who's uh, appropriately compensated and you get a few thousand dollars a year in consulting outside of that, Social Security is going to see you as a person with you know, five or $10,000 a year income and they'll treat you like other people who have that income and you get a higher return and they didn't want to do that. So that's the reason for the windfall. Uh, elimination. So am I right then, as I think through that, thinking it's maybe not as unfair as I well, thought it, it was? It was unfair to Frank in a sense that, if I understood him right, that he was, part of his income uh, was part of the retirement situation, and they didn't pay him in the summer. They paid him in the summer in a different way uh -huh. and made him pay Social Security, and that didn't go into his teacher's pension, it. and it didn't really help him very much in regard to Social Security. Uh, that's his double jeopardy. Okay, now when you explain it, it makes sense. That's why, so Fre un, so that's why Fred's here. <laughs> so it's unfair, but uh, there's nothing that uh, can be done uh, save uh, going to the, the Congress and getting them to change their, their rules. And I at least understand the reasons behind it now, whether we're, we deem them as fair or unfair. I at least get now a concept for the first time of, oh, okay, I see why they're in spirit, why are they making that adjustment? Uh, because of this replacement issue and these bend points, you know, it's the wealthier people yeah. get much. And uh, the federal government never does anything perfectly, it's not, not surprisingly. Really? <laughs> I don't think they, you know, hey, we got a good military, I know that, and a great police force, I, I know that. Well, guys, uh, we're gonna be back, oh gosh, I don't know when we're coming back, we'll be back in- Two weeks. Two weeks, and we'll be back in two weeks for more of Paul Rudy's On The Money. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all the great phone calls today. Thanks for listening. Join us for the second and fourth Tuesday of each month for Paul Rudy's On the Money. Views expressed represent those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the station. This is News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana.
This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Zoom Video Conferencing. I'm Steve Kaith, and day one of the first of two trials for former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. A handful of protesters gathered outside the courthouse this morning, one beating a drum while several held up anti-Manafort or Trump signs. Inside, Paul Manafort sat with his attorneys wearing a black suit with pinstripes. Judge T.S. Ellis says he would not immediately rule on a defense motion to suppress evidence regarding Ukraine, but said he would do so once the jury is seated. Bill Rakoff, CBS News at the U.S. District Court in Alexandria, Virginia. Calmer winds expected to help firefighters today in Northern California. CBS's Steve Futterman on the major blaze in and around the city of Reading. These fire crews are working long hours. They face very difficult conditions, but their work is paying off. The latest figures show that the car fire here in Reading is now 27% contained. It has now burned over 110,000 acres, but now it's moving mostly into non-residential areas. So fire crews are encouraged. President Trump indicated this morning he's looking into whether allowing print-at-home guns is a good idea. Last month, the federal government struck a deal with a private company to allow it to make its blueprints for 3D-printed guns available online at midnight tonight. Some have already emerged. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer. Now, out of the blue this morning, President Trump tweeted he was looking into the matter months after his own administration caused the problem by settling with gun activists and allowing it to happen. President Trump, on the heels of his Twitter war with Iran, said yesterday he'd be willing to meet with the country's president with no preconditions. CBS's Larry Miller. Reaction in Tehran to Mr. Trump's offer of direct talks with Iran's President Rouhani has been mostly negative. While a senior cleric says the offer should not categorically be rejected, it's nothing to get excited about. The overture was more firmly dismissed by others. One senior politician says it has no value because America violates its commitments. Four paramedics in the Tampa area facing a disciplinary hearing today for not taking a 30-year-old black woman to a hospital by ambulance just days before she died. Crystal Galloway's mother alleges racism. They were too caught up in convincing us that she couldn't afford it. There was reference to, oh, have you been drinking? Were you guys celebrating 4th of July? Is that wirehead hurts? Emmy-winning actor Alan Alda tells CBS this morning he has Parkinson's disease. He says he got the diagnosis more than three years ago. The Dow is up 155 points. This is CBS News. Zoom video conferencing, featuring video and audio clarity with screen sharing. Free accounts are available at zoom.us. That's zoom.us. Zoom video conferencing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 job boards with just one click, and then their smart matching technology finds the right candidates. Try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash free. To prevent muscle cramps in your legs and feet, use TheraWorks Relief. This fast-acting foam is clinically proven to relieve leg and foot cramps. Get TheraWorks Relief today at select Walgreens, CVS, and Rite Aid pharmacies or theraworksrelief.com. Ask your pharmacist for TheraWorks Relief. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack. But not with ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology actively invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So, while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. Try ZipRecruiter now for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com search. That's ZipRecruiter.com search. 
Good morning. 68 degrees, cloudy skies at 11.04. I'm Tim Dittman, DWS News. We begin with some Major League Baseball news. The St. Louis Cardinals, this just breaking within the last hour, trading outfielder Tommy Pham to the Tampa Bay Rays for three minor league players. They are outfielder Justin Williams, left-handed pitcher Genesis Cabrera, and right-handed pitcher Roel Ramirez. The Cardinals also received international cap space in the four-player trade. Today, the deadline for trades without waivers. Again, Tommy Pham going from the St. Louis Cardinals to the Tampa Bay Rays. In other news, an Illinois teachers union is pushing to reverse a recent change that lowered the threshold for when local taxpayers would have to pay a penalty for end-of-career salary spikes. Story. The new state budget lowered the threshold of when school districts would have to pay extra for end-of-career salary spiking from 6 to 3%. The Illinois Education Association wants to reverse that with Senate Bill 3622 and highlights the bill is from a Republican senator. However, Republican State Representative Jeannie Ives said going back to 6% is the wrong direction. She wants all pensions for future employees shifted to the school districts. You're never ever going to correct all the um the games that can be played against taxpayers until the taxpayers have to fund it all at the local level. That's what has to happen over time, and you can do this in a reasonable way. A recent Illinois Radio Network investigation found even when the threshold was 6%, school districts still paid $23.8 million since 2014. I'm Greg Bishop. Scattered showers and thunderstorms this afternoon, high of 75. Chance for rain again tonight with a low of 59. Patchy fog to start the day tomorrow. That'll give way to partly sunny skies. Slight chance for some rain, 20%, and a high of 81. Tomorrow night, clear skies, a low of 62. Thursday and Friday, sunny skies, highs in the upper 80s. Right now, 68 and cloudy at 11.06. Breaking news 24-7 at WDWS.com. I'm Tim Dittman, DWS News. Time now for the Rush Limbaugh Show here on DWS. DWS. 